0: Former Vancouver Canuck favorite Jake Virtanen enters court, full coverage of the first day of his sexual assault trial. Also, it happened again. The latest in a series of overheight vehicles smashing overpasses. And rough seas ahead for BC ferries.
1: And why are they uh, canceling three, with three hours' notice?
0: The chaos for island communities with so many sailings canceled. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks very much for joining us. Sophie is off today. A former homegrown NHL star is in B.C. Supreme Court for the start of his sexual assault trial. Jake Vertanen is facing accusations from a woman over a night at a Vancouver hotel in September of 2017. And a warning, some of her allegations will not be suitable for all audiences. Sarah McDonald is covering the trial and she has the details.
2: Flanked by lawyers, Jake Furtanen arrived at B.C. Supreme Court in Vancouver on Monday. The former connects forward facing a single count of sexual assault in a case that dates back to an alleged incident in 2017 and all centers around consent. At issue is what happened inside suite 526 of this downtown hotel between Vertanen and the complainant on the night of September 26 of 2017. Vertanen's accuser who cannot be identified alleges Vertanen had nonconsensual vaginal intercourse with her. She was 18 years old at the time of the alleged incident and is now 23.
3: These are difficult cases. They involve uh, uh, matters that are generally private. Uh, they they require something more than uh, one word, one person's word against mm-hmm. another.
2: <laughs> In her at times emotional testimony, the complainant, who grew up in B.C.'s interior, told a jury she and the former NHL star first met at the Calgary Stampede three months before the alleged assault. She told court the two kissed there, exchanged numbers and kept in contact until the complainant visited Vancouver the following September. Both parties agree Bertanen picked up the complainant from where she was staying on the night of September 26th and drove the pair to the Westin Bayshore. Once on the fifth floor inside the suite, the accuser alleges, despite multiple rebuffed and persistent physical advances by Vertanen and her consistently verbally not consenting to sexual intercourse, it happened anyway. He was saying, quote, just a little bit, she testified. He kept saying, just a little bit. He penetrated me, she alleged, through tears. I basically just stared at the ceiling until it was done, at which point, she says, I went in the bathroom and cried.
3: Corroboration is very, very necessary, in my view, in order to make sure you don't have wrongful convictions.
2: Vertanen, now 25, has pleaded not guilty. He was placed on leave by the Canucks in 2021. Weeks later, he was placed on unconditional waivers by the team. His contract ultimately bought out. <laughs> His most recent stint in professional hockey was in Russia until a few months ago when the country invaded Ukraine and Vertanen came back to Canada. Both the complainant and the accused had supporters in court on Monday. This trial is expected to last for about a week. Sarah McDonald, Global News.
0: An arrest has been made and charges laid in the recent homicide of Kashmir Ali in Maple Ridge. Prosecutors have charged Justin Michael Waring with second-degree murder and attempted murder. I hit officers arrested Waring on Saturday, one day after the double shooting at a home near Two Two Six Street on 119th Avenue. 35-year-old Ali died and another man was wounded, but the injuries aren't life-threatening. Waring is known to police, and officers say he was believed to be a significant concern to public safety in the Maple Ridge area. Anyone with information is asked to contact IHIT. Two Abbotsford police officers are injured after responding to a shots fired call. Their unmarked police vehicle hit a hydro pole and concrete wall at George Ferguson Way and McCallum Road around 4.30 a.m., the officers were taken to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. No civilians were involved. The shots fired call involved a home invasion of a marijuana grow-up near Township Line and Bell Road. No victims were located at the scene. Abbotsford police are seeking witnesses or dashcam video from either location. Another completely preventable accident. Paralyzed traffic along Highway 1 today. A truck with an overheight load smashed once again into an overpass in Langley. Krista Dow is there with the latest and Krista this is the eighth time something like this has happened this year.
4: And Chris, that is eight times too many and the pattern cause for concern. These incidents uh, not only snarl traffic but are dangerous and can cause serious injury. Well, luckily today, no injuries reported, but drivers heading eastbound on Highway 1 weren't spared in the slightest as they were dealing with that heavy bottleneck. Now, the crash happened in Langley just after 1.30 at the Glover Road overpass and that's right before Trinity Western University. The B.C. Ministry of Transportation says commercial vehicle safety and enforcement crews are on scene assessing the damage. Now, as mentioned, in the last 12 months, there have been eight of these incidents in the Lower Mainland and the Fraser Valley of overheight trucks hitting overhead bridges. The Transport Ministry plans to release a list of B.C. carriers who have had their licenses revoked for serious safety violations like crashing into overpasses. B.C. Trucking Association is on board.
5: That's a great first step. Um, it's something that we've been calling for for a long time. Uh, it's the first step to to talk about carriers that have had serious violations. Um, the next step in our view is is to release uh, the incident summaries or investigations so we know uh, what led up to it. Is it route planning? Is it configurations? Uh, and then the next step that we've been working on with the ministry for a long time is public access to uh, carrier safety profiles.
4: And Chris, this is the uh, second crash in as many weeks. Drivers may remember last week, uh, a truck also carrying heavy equipment crashed into an overpass also on Highway 1, and that was in Surrey. The BC Trucking Association says uh, they need to know the reasons behind this, and only when they know that can they make the necessary changes is it just driver area error rather can they push for those changes of course drivers want to see all of this sorted out before potentially another dangerous situation happens again
0: well let's hope that doesn't happen krista but i'm doubtful and i think a lot of drivers are thanks very much for that report from langley that's krista dow well the summer of travel frustrations continues bc ferries is back to full staffing but the number of workers calling in sick has doubled. And as Kylie Stanton explains, that left more routes canceled over the weekend and travelers stranded. Unfortunately, Vesuvius Bay for a vehicle.
6: It's a game of musical fairies.
0: We were trying to get out from uh, Long Harbor.
6: Passengers running from one terminal to another. I'm going to try to go back to Vesuvius. To another.
7: Tried to
0: make it to Fulford to see if we can make it to Victoria.
6: Only to find out. The boats aren't running.
0: My ferry's cancelled.
6: Due to staffing shortages and mechanical errors or issues. On Sunday, Salt Spring Island was virtually cut off from Vancouver Island by vehicle. Sailings out of all three of its ferry terminals impacted
8: by crew availability. We have had cancellations uh, less than 1%, but we know that if that was the sailing you were trying to catch, it's obviously very inconvenient.
0: We do have a water
9: taxi available taking people over.
6: For many, this was the only option. 45 people at a time dropped their vehicles, making other plans. And as passengers scrambled, so did local businesses.
10: I've been living here for nine years now, and I've never seen anything like this uh, ever before. Uh, It seems that it would be a confluence of several things all at one time, uh, the perfect storm or the imperfect storm, if you will.
6: Since January, BC Ferries has made 1,000 new hires. Another 100 employees have come back to work following Transport Canada's decision to relax vaccination requirements. But while the corporation is now fully staffed with more than 5,000 employees, its absenteeism rate has more than doubled, jumping from 5 to 11%, resulting in as many as 561 employees off every day. And there's concern the lack of certainty around whether or not ferries will be running is putting a dent in tourism on the island.
7: They are worried about uh, having to plan in advance and then having ferry cancellations, so they're doing a lot of last-minute bookings now.
6: But at the same time, this situation may have been rock bottom. In the
9: long run, yes, it'll get better. But for the next month and a half, I think we have to be very careful.
6: The hope is there's nowhere to go from here but up. Because we're tired of this crap. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Bye.
0: The B.C. Wildfire Service is facing some very difficult challenges fighting a wildfire threatening a provincial park near Lytton. The Nahoman Creek Fire is holding at about 1,700 hectares, but its western flank is growing in difficult-to-access terrain near the Stein Valley-Inclopalmic Heritage Park. The park is co-managed by the Lytton First Nation, and in order to protect the ecological and cultural integrity of the valley, Fire suppression tactics we're used to that involve heavy equipment or fire retardant can't be used in that region. Officials fear that with a warming trend in the coming weeks, sections of the park will be at great risk from the Nahoman Creek wildfire. A big financial boost from Ottawa today to help B.C. recover from last year's fire floods. The Federal Emergency Preparedness Minister was in Vancouver to announce an advance payment of more than $870 million to support disaster recovery and climate resilience in the province. That's in addition to just over $200 million in wildfire recovery funding announced in June. The federal and provincial governments are also working to incorporate traditional First Nations knowledge in emergency management.
11: This will strengthen the First Nations' ability to respond to and recover from future climate-related disasters faster and is part of our work towards an Indigenous-led and culturally safe future in emergency management. Throughout British Columbia and right across Canada, we have seen that
10: floods, landslides, wildfires and other extreme weather events are affecting the lives and livelihoods of
0: thousands of Canadians. Minister Farnworth also noted efforts are currently underway to assist the community of Lytton which has already lost several homes to the Nahoman Creek wildfire. More than half of Canadians want COVID-19 boosters, according to a new Angus Reid Institute poll, but many vaccinated Canadians say they aren't sold on another shot. For more, let's bring in our Keith Baldry, who can break down the survey findings for us. Keith, what can we glean from some of these numbers?
10: I think the main takeaway here from the Angus Reid poll, Chris, is we basically have plateaued when it comes to our vaccination program. I think uh, you're going to see in the weeks ahead, if, if not happening right now, the vast majority of vaccine, new vaccinations are going to be fourth doses because everybody's basically checked in after two doses or three doses. Here's the breakdown of what Angus Reid found across Canada and BC's a little higher numbers, but 61% are willing to get uh, waiting for the next uh, booster dose. 62% are willing to do that annually, but 22% of res- respondents, respondents don't think more booster doses are going to be ineffective. Our third dose rate here in B.C. is approaching 62%. That's basically been that number for some time. We've hit a wall when it comes to vaccinations for second dose, which were at 92% uh, for adults over the age 18, and again, almost 62% for third doses. Uh, Pollster Shachi Carroll says, we've basically fallen into two camps. Many people who've got two doses aren't getting that third dose, even though they've been invited. And if you get your third dose, you're more than likely to get a fourth dose if Not a fifth dose if that's offered. Here's Polster Curl.
4: If you're someone who's only had one or two doses, you are far less likely to identify as saying, I want to get a third dose or a fourth dose or another booster or continue boosting uh, as the months and possibly years go by. If you're someone who's had your third dose, if you're someone who's had your fourth dose, you are far more likely to say, Yes, when that fourth one is available to me, I'll get it. When that fifth one is available to me, I'll get it.
10: So the demographic breakdown of this is also interesting, Chris. The poll found that uh, the biggest hesitancy group are men under the age of 55. They simply aren't going in for their third dose, even though they're being offered. Uh, The biggest take up of third and fourth doses are older people over the age of 55 and women in particular. So that trend is likely to continue for weeks, if not months, perhaps even years, if these vaccines continue to be offered on an
0: annual basis. Children, also a big segment of the population Mm -hmm. haven't got a dose. All right, exactly. thanks very much, Keith. I appreciate it. A good deed comes back to haunt an employee at a pizza place. For years, she's been sharing a slice here and there for Vancouver's homeless population. But one night, it backfired big time. Why she's traumatized, next on the News Hour, Just ahead, vanishing dragonflies, what the disappearance of these insects means for the health of the planet, coming up. And the story behind a new children's book, about the mysterious Ogopogo, that's also later. But right now, another Vancouver store employee is recovering from a traumatic experience after being threatened with a knife. As Kristen Robinson reports, this time it was over pizza.
1: At Fresh Slice in downtown Vancouver, customers are treated well. Kids get a free balloon, and staff sometimes offer a free pizza slice to the city's homeless. But on Friday night, that wasn't enough. That's
10: a slice, but he asked me a whole pizza.
1: And Palagan Namasee Wyam says a man threatened to stab his female employee when she refused to give him a free pizza.
10: That guy came in and then showed the knife, and I need a whole pizza. She said, No, you want to give the slice? He said, No, I need a whole pizza. And then he's uh, behind the door. And then she said, Okay, I call the police.
1: The pizza pinching suspect, who is known to police, was arrested.
5: Sometimes it's uh, giving people a um, uh, a handout here or there. They get to know um, a lot of the people in their neighborhood. When an incident like this happens, it really betrays the trust that they've built up with people in the neighborhood and it's extremely traumatizing
1: for them. 31-year-old Juan Serna is charged with uttering threats to cause death or bodily harm and theft under $5,000. A few doors away, Fresh Slices competitor Pizza2001 gave out free slices to those in need for years, but stopped the practice about a decade ago because the owner says it got to be too much, with some people only wanting free oven-fresh pizza.
12: This first time that I'm uh, hearing that somebody treffen with a knife. Uh, I think it's terrible, to be honest.
1: Dominic Novak works in the area and says he witnessed a purse snatching last week.
12: I see one lady screaming here without a purse, and look on the left, and I see one guy running behind the block. I, I didn't see the guy much, but I just saw how he ran behind the block and holding the purse.
1: Back at Fresh Slice, the manager is used to people taking advantage of their goodwill.
10: Sometimes they get the brownie, sometimes they grab the tip jar. We have to help them, but this is the weapon so make people
1: are scared, right? He and Vancouver police urging anyone threatened in a similar situation to call 911. Kristen Robinson, Global News.
0: We are now three months away from municipal elections in October, and the race for mayor of Surrey is heating up. Surrey Newton Liberal MP Sukh Dhaliwal announced he'll be stepping into the ring. As Richard Zussman reports, Dhaliwal joins a couple of other big names vying for the title. This
9: is the, time the incumbent a city councillor an mla and now an mp
11: our future is bright and i believe working together we can achieve so much more on monday Sue dollywall
9: joining the all surrey mayoral race the longtime mp from surrey newton taking direct aim at the incumbent
11: over the last four years we have seen a divisive politics Unprecedented division, partisanship, no focus on the citizens of Surrey. This has to end.
9: Doug McCallum is, as of right now, planning on running again. The mayor currently awaiting a court date connected to charges of public mischief. Court documents obtained by Global News show investigators believe McCallum's foot was never run over in a Surrey grocery store parking lot, counter to claims made by the mayor. She clipped my knee and and my bottom leg and then ran over my foot. McCallum continues to deny wrongdoing, and political watchers say Dolly Wall's entry to the race may actually help him. With now three very plausible candidates running against him, it's going to be difficult, I think, for the voters of Surrey to coalesce around a single alternative. Those other plausible candidates include Councillor Brenda Locke and MLA Ginny Sims, Dolly Wall's United Surrey team promising a one-year tax freeze in the province's second biggest city and the largest expansion of parks and fields. But this race is shaping up to be about more than policy. The housing, the schooling, the policing, the fire services, the community services... That's what an election uh, should be about in this day and age in a city like Surrey. I fear, though, it might just turn into a referendum on Doug McCallum's leadership. It's not just McCallum with history with the courts. Dolly Wall pleaded guilty back in 2014 to tax evasion. Thank you. Election day is October 15th. Richard
0: Zussman, Global News. And a partial victory for Surrey residents fighting the city's controversial new political sign bylaw. Supporters of keeping the RCMP in Surrey went to court, arguing their signs were being targeted by the legislation unfairly, which appeared to prohibit any political signs on public or private property until an election or referendum had officially been called. Supreme Court Justice Nigel Kent dismissed the lawsuit, What ordered Surrey to amend its legislation to make it clear that a single political lawn sign is allowed at any time?
3: Well, I'm I'm, uh, very happy for the decision. I think that the uh, courts got it right. Uh, I am incredibly indebted, and I think all Surrey residents should be indebted to those seniors that took this to court. This was a violation of charter rights, and it will impact all residents.
0: The decision gives the city of Surrey three months to change the bylaw to remove that ambiguity. Just ahead, the failures in Uvalde, Texas. New video shows the early police response and the inaction that followed. Also jury selection for the trial of one of Donald Trump's closest allies.
13: Really slow over here for eastbound traffic on the Portman Bridge. There's a two-car crash in the right of the two Surrey exit lanes. Traffic was briefly blocked but has been reopened. The damage is done, though. Traffic is backed right into Coquitlam. Sussex Insurance has auto plan offices inside the Real Canadian Superstores and Walmarts throughout B.C. Find your nearest location at sussexinsurance.com, open 9 to 9 every day. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Portman Bridge.
0: Join Global News July 21st to 24th for daily coverage of the 2022 B.C. Summer Games from Prince George. Spirit lives here. Global B.C. is proud to partner with the B.C. Summer Games. Authorities failed to prioritize saving the lives of innocent victims over their own safety. That is just one of the findings from a scathing new report into the response to the Robb Elementary School shooting in Uvalde, Texas, which describes the chaos of officer deployment and communication and the failures to ensure community safety. We want to warn you that some of the images and details in this report will be disturbing and could be distressing to some viewers. Global's Reggie Cicchini has more.
11: Shots fired in the building! I, got, I heard somebody said someone shot in the head!
5: These are the horrifying moments Uvalde residents are living through in real time. Hey, we're going in or we're staying here? What are we doing? Newly released body camera images showing the ground level realities of a number of police forces' shortcomings in protecting the most vulnerable.
10: There's no question there was a failure of command that day.
5: A Texas State House committee investigating the matter lambasted law enforcement's response, saying there are important lessons to be learned from each faulty assumption and poor decision made that day.
0: They should have done more, acted with urgency. Try the door handles. Try to go in through the windows.
5: The sounds from this new angle will forever haunt victims' families.
11: We gotta get in there. He keeps shooting. But
5: so too will the details. The committee finding, even with 376 officers on scene, a vacuum in leadership would result in more than an hour passing
13: by. The report says if you're not willing. To put the lives of the people you serve, of those children, before you are owned. In my view, you should find another job.
5: With the former school police chief having resigned, the acting chief is now on administrative leave.
0: They're a joke. They got no business wearing a badge. None of them do.
5: Now, the report did go beyond law enforcement, criticizing unlocked doors and no active shooter warning, along with missed red flags. He struggled to fit in and eventually became isolated. It ultimately had a fixation on school shootings and even developed the
0: nickname school shooter.
5: And for each misstep comes more heartache.
0: That's my wife's bathroom.
5: An officer's wife would die that morning, so too would 20 other people. With those families and this broken community still asking why. Reggie Chikini, Global News, Washington.
0: Four people are reportedly dead after a mid-air plane crash in Las Vegas. Police responded to calls of a crash at a north Las Vegas airport on Saturday afternoon. Information from officials indicates two single-engine planes collided as one plane was trying to land. The first crashing into a field, the other into a pond. Two people were said to be on board each aircraft. A National Transportation Safety Board investigation has been started for this incident. The trial for one of Donald Trump's closest advisers is underway in Washington, D.C., with a selection of the jury. Steve Bannon is facing two criminal charges for his failure to comply with the House's January 6th investigation, 10 months after receiving subpoenas from the select committee. Bannon is one of Trump's most prominent allies to refuse to testify before the committee. Conviction for each count of contempt of Congress carries a minimum of 30 days in jail. Coming up, a little girl earns her nickname. When she wake up,
8: she says, did you take my heart?
0: Why her parents and doctors call her Miriam Miracle after she made medical history. But first.
6: We love things that eat mosquito larva.
0: <laughs> Why scientists are sounding the alarm about dragonflies.
13: Good evening. Emergency crews are on scene to a two-car crash here eastbound at mid-span on the Portman Bridge in the right of the two Surrey exit lanes. So just one lane getting by. As a result, traffic is slow from Coquitlam on Highway 1. When renewing your ICBC Auto Plan insurance online, select your nearest Sussex insurance when prompted. For all other online broker benefits, peace of mind, and best rates select Sussex Insurance today. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Port Man Bridge.
0: Dragonflies are known to buzz around B.C.'s wetlands, a sure sign of water nearby and a healthy ecosystem. But it turns out the winged insects are on a path to extinction. As Erin MacArthur tells us, their habitats are disappearing. UBC researcher Rasim Khalifa is studying dragonflies,
3: All right. one of a handful of key insect species being used to determine the health of wetland ecosystems. So here's a damselfly. Human pressure and habitat loss are putting enormous pressure on dragonflies and the closely related damselflies. Scientists are looking to get a better handle on population.
12: Yeah, locally there are like 87 species. 23 of them are either rare or at risk.
3: Worldwide, a decline in the biodiversity of insects has caught the attention of scientists. The, the
12: migratory species, For
3: decades, Ducks uh, Unlimited Canada has been protecting areas. wetlands. So, the focus has often been on protecting waterfowl and other bird species. Now, with concerns that more than 40% of the world's insect species are in decline, <laughs> there is new attention being paid to this baseline of the food web.
6: It's, it's sort of like an incubation chamber for a lot of diversity, which does include insects. And I think it's one of, uh, one of a group of species where if you're seeing it, it's a good sign.
3: You see this guy here? Yes. This does. is a dragonfly. Yes. Engaging kids, a key component of a new campaign, Ducks Unlimited Canada is encouraging citizen scientists to help document these insects and understand the role they play. Because the larvae are aquatic, And the adults are terrestrial. They interact with a wide range of other species, both as predator and prey.
12: So if something happens to them, uh, like the diversity declines, this will affects so many species in the terrestrial ecosystem, but also in the aquatic ecosystem.
3: Some estimates suggest more than 85% of all wetlands in the Okanagan and Lower Fraser Estuary have been converted to human
12: use. This is called the eight-spotted skimmer.
3: Protecting wetlands, critical to protecting at-risk species within. And dragonflies occupying the center of a vast and complex web.
0: Aaron MacArthur, Global News. In health matters tonight, it was one year ago a Toronto preteen became the youngest person in Canada to receive a device known as a total artificial heart. Amar Khan has the story of the challenges and success of this rare procedure at Toronto's Sick Kids Hospital.
8: When she wake up, she said, did you take my heart and you give me an, the machine to, to make me survive? We say, yes. She said, I am okay now. I can't go home. We say, yes, you can go home. You are okay now.
11: Mariam Tanous, known as Mariam Miracle, was born with two forms of congenital heart disease and underwent open heart surgery at the age of three. In 2021, the 11-year-old who had a heart transplant four years prior saw her body reject the heart. With time of the essence, artificial heart surgery was deemed the right move, until they could find a suitable heart replacement. But there were concerns. It was a procedure mainly for adults and had only been done on 58 patients in Canada. If and when the surgery happened, Tanusa's chest was to be kept open for five days.
14: The biggest challenge for her technically is the size mismatch between the device and her, uh, essentially, the chest cavity. Uh, obviously, she's one of the smallest patients who ever had this implantation of this device in the world, and obviously the smallest in in Canada.
11: Linda antoine Adwar knew the risks of the surgery heading in for her daughter, but never doubted the surgeons.
8: They told us about what is the risky, what is the good, but all these things, when they speak it to us, we say, yes, we, we need to survive our daughter's life.
11: She admits that the process of seeing her daughter struggle was challenging.
8: It's a lot of tubes, a lot of machine, and they are waiting and waiting and waiting. But don't give up, don't give up.
11: Dr. Osami Hanjo was the cardiovascular surgeon who did the implementation of the artificial heart surgery and the heart transplant. Her
14: personal attachment to her and her family, and uh, it's, it's a great feeling to see her uh, thriving after this you know, so many challenges that she went through. Adwar is
11: ecstatic her daughter got past this journey.
8: I feel my heart is going like higher, higher from the the happy.
0: Amar
11: Khan, Global News.
0: Still to come, turning a wild story into a children's book.
14: On December the 18th,
10: 1981, we saw something strange in the water.
0: How the author found his inspiration. And talk about a wedding crasher, the wave that almost spoiled the party. Coming up next. Britain is on course for its hottest day on record with temperatures forecast to hit 40 degrees Celsius. The UK has declared a national emergency, issuing its first ever red warning for exceptional heat. The extreme heat is forcing train operators to cancel services and health authorities to put more ambulances on standby. Meantime, much of Europe is baking in a heat wave as well that's pushed temperatures into the mid-40s and seen wildfires rage in Portugal, Spain, and France. Mother Nature made sure a couple's wedding in Hawaii on Sunday was even more memorable than usual thanks to what was called an historic weekend for huge surf. The bride and groom and guests at the wedding stopped the celebrations to watch nervously as a huge wave comes rushing towards them and a few seconds later, their fears are realized. This is coming the first period. <laughs> the huge wave washed away tables and chairs but thankfully no one was injured. The wedding cake and most of the food was also spared. The party went on as planned. Oh. And take a look at this early glimpse of a massive storm that ripped through part of southern Alberta Monday afternoon. The video was recorded around 1.30 this afternoon in Red Cliff, about 280 kilometers southeast of Calgary. You can see how powerful the wind is, knocking down tree branches. The area has also been pummeled by torrential rain. An emergency alert was issued, and there are reports of damage to vehicles and homes in the area. Wow. Makes you almost thankful for the drizzle we got for a big part of the day, but it's really improving this afternoon. And Christy joins us now with the latest. Hey, Christy.
8: Hey, Chris, you're exactly right. I mean, we're back to more of a summer-like pattern in the coming days, but we're not completely in the clear, so I'll break down the details for you. But I wanted to show you that storm in through southern Alberta, massive thunderstorms in that region, and reports now of a tornado touching down near the Medicine Hat area. Uh, Several homes damaged, no reports of any injuries, but you can see the lightning strikes and the uh, instability in through that region. It also ripped through southern Saskatchewan, where there were reports of Gulf, pardon me, yes, Gulf, ball-sized hail in that region. No no tornadoes in the Saskatchewan area today, but you can see the action in through that region. Meanwhile for us, we're so lucky. and We are going to see a bit of cloud cover tomorrow morning, but mostly sunny by the afternoon and highs will range from 22 to 26 degrees. This is exactly where we should be for this time of year. So a terrific summer-like day. Now, a clearing on the way for the central interior regions overnight. Some cloud cover across the north, but overall sunshine throughout our Tuesday Wednesday, though, for the South Coast, I am expecting a bit of cloud cover once again, and we'll likely see that cloud cover again in the morning on Thursday. So as I mentioned, it's not straight sunshine. We'll see some morning cloud cover at times, but overall a sunny pattern in store for us. Lots of sunshine, though, in through the interior, low 30s for you, just a touch above seasonal. But for our region, 22 to 26 degrees will be nice and comfortable tomorrow. We're going to heat up a bit more, though, on Wednesday and into Thursday, as you can see here. But a nice stretch of weather, certainly to look forward to after sort of the cloudy rainier conditions we saw over the weekend this is a shot from enderby last night where there were also a number of thunderstorms in through the interior region thank you to laura for that one i wanted to show you one more showing um the cherry farm in the area of Kelowna, just southeast in the Sun City area, uh, because of the thunderstorms they saw yesterday, they had a helicopter out trying to dry the cherries. So it is pretty tough times, especially in through southern Saskatchewan, after the golf ball-sized hail in that area, uh, some devastation in through the crops uh, is very likely. Chris, back to you.
0: Got to keep those cherries dry, otherwise they split, but they still, I still think they taste pretty good even if they're split, but I know why they're doing it. All right, uh, Squire joins us now with a look ahead to sports. Well, since we're on the theme of the Okanagan, um, a young man
14: from Okanagan Falls has been okay for the Whitecaps. We'll tell you that story. And also, Vanny Sartini will explain why he had a bit of a freakout after last night's uh, 1-1 tie against Portland. He's passionate.
0: We know that about Vanny for sure. Also tonight, the legend of Ogopogo turned into a children's book. from experience hold on so, okay go ahead hold on are you are you straight
14: that's right now
0: all right looks good. okay anyway were we i was just camera? gonna say oh, well darn. i was just i was just gonna say speaking from experience yes coming off the bench is sometimes just as important as starting isn't it well yeah but 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 he has come off the bench after somebody else
14: was on the bench he's moved <laughs> up uh, soccer teams are always talking about wanting depth. Good players in reserve, but no team really wants to have to start using all that depth because that, of course, means you've had a lot of injuries. Well, the Vancouver Whitecaps have had a lot of injuries, especially in goal. Thomas Assault started the year got hurt. His replacement, Cody Crawford, suffered a head injury recently. So now the Whitecaps are down to Isaac Bomer. But he has proved in the last two games that this young keeper is, in fact, a keeper. And the Whitecaps' depth in goal is pretty deep. Big day for Isaac Bomer, the 20-year-old
0: from Okanagan Falls. His first
14: MLS- Isaac Bomer's MLS career is only a game and a half old. He replaced Cody Cropper halfway through the contest against Cincinnati last Wednesday after this collision sent Cropper into concussion protocol. Then Bomer started yesterday's game in Portland. Stopping all but one shot to get a one-all draw against the Timbers.
12: They asked me to come in, do the job, and you know I, I thought I did, and they think so too. So I think it's just you know exceeding expectations. But yeah, they're happy.
10: We, we told him to keep it simple, and he did it. Uh, boom, playing long ball and uh, commanding the box, and uh, he did also two very good saves. So. Uh, it would have been the ice on the cake if you would have said the penalty, but, you know, uh, we cannot ask for everything. So,
14: Yes, a penalty kick in the 82nd minute was the only shot that has beaten Bulmer since he started playing for the Whitecaps.
12: It would have been nice to get the three points, that's for sure. I thought maybe if I'd waited a second on the penalty, I could have reached back and got it, but it, that would have been too much of a fairy tale, I think. <laughs> so it is what it is. But I'd have to get the point and get back home and... Go home.
14: And why was Vanny yelling at his friend Miles Joseph, the Portland assistant coach, last night? They were arguing over non calls by the ref, apparently.
10: But uh, it's beautiful to go in this uh, heated argument with with friends. Miles is a friend of mine, so we are we are, really good. We are, we are ready, we already good. We're we're ready, ready hug each other after that uh, kind of exchange of words. No problem.
14: I heard some of the words on TV. I won't repeat them here. Uh, Tonight, Canada's national women's soccer team will face the U.S. in the final of the CONCACAF championship. That'll start in a few moments. Uh, Both of these teams have already qualified for next year's World Cup, but whoever wins this game qualifies for an automatic spot in the Olympic soccer tournament, the next Olympic soccer tournament in 2024. Of course, Canada is now the defending gold medal champs in Olympic women's soccer. Uh, One of the great things about winning the Stanley Cup is you get to share that win with your teammates, or in the case of Colorado Avalanche defenseman Bowen Byram, one of your ex-teammates. He and his former teammate from the Vancouver Giants, Alex Kanek-Liepert, got to celebrate the Stanley Cup win. Kanek-Liepert is now an Abbotsford Canuck, but he was there the night the Avalanche won hockey's
7: greatest prize.
0: Congratulations to the Colorado Avalanche.
7: When Bowen Byron won the Stanley Cup and hoisted it high above his head alongside his teammates, there was another celebration that you didn't see happening. One that involved his family and former Vancouver Giants teammate and good buddy Alex Kanek liepert Where does that rank in career experiences? You mean, you played a few seasons. He's a great kid and you're a good friend. Where does this rank? Uh, it's got to be number one.
12: Um, for him to do that so early in his career, it was uh, it was pretty amazing to see that in person and be able to be with him after that and just to run up to him after the game. It was it was crazy.
7: Byron and Kanek-Liepert's friendship dates back six years ago when both were rookie defensemen for the Vancouver Giants. Byron was a baby-faced 15-year-old, Kanek-Liepert a year older. They were teammates for four seasons, forming a friendship and bond that remains just as tight as when they were defense partners manning the Giants' blue line together. Kanek-Liepert there earlier in the year when Byron was sidelined for three months due to lingering concussion issues.
12: He's just always been a gamer, and uh, has been able to kind of get through things like that. Um, I saw him in February, and uh, he was getting better, and his spirits were coming better. Um, so to see him play that well and jump into that spot in the playoffs was was pretty amazing.
7: They the seventh, the 2022 Stanley Cup champions. Watching his best friend win the Stanley Cup was always the plan, just not in Tampa Bay.
12: That was amazing. It was uh, kind of a roller coaster. We were there for game five, and they ended up losing, so we were kind of we lost. We didn't know what to do. So we planned a, planned a trip all Saturday, flew out that night, and then made it to uh, Tampa uh, Sunday uh, morning, pretty much. Sat by the pool, went to the game, and it was, it was unbelievable. Um, to see them play that well and have that much fun and to enjoy with them after was pretty cool. How would you get on the ice? Um, so his uh, grandparents didn't uh, make it to Tampa, so uh, a, buddy, a buddy and me and uh, his mom got uh, the rest of the family passes, so we hopped on and uh, enjoyed it. So did you touch the car? No, I did not. <laughs> no, I was thinking about that. It, uh, my buddy did, but uh, I, I didn't want to.
14: What a day yesterday for people named Cameron, no matter how you spelt it. Cameron Rogers, we've had her on this show mm-hmm story about her wins silver medal at the world athletic championships in oregon in the hammer throw cam levins from the island finishes fourth in the men's marathon and over at the british open cam smith is the winner and cameron young finishes second wow the universe... and they've all been told that they'll be in the next movie by james cameron so how about that
0: <laughs> yeah the universe works in weird ways sometimes doesn't that's it? true well, thanks it very much for that All right, turning the page on a fantastical story about Ogopogo next. Strong is standing by now with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11. Jordan. Hey Chris, the controversial Stanley Park bike lane is back on the agenda of tonight's
5: Vancouver Park Board meeting. As you know, that has been a hot topic for a number of months now. The board will receive a 94-page mobility study looking at the feasibility of different approaches for reducing vehicle traffic in the park. Critics, though, say the board's current approach of restricting vehicle traffic to one lane has worsened congestion by carbon-emitting vehicles. Perhaps you've noticed the backups on Georgia Street lately. Reaction from both
0: sides at the meeting and any decision, if there is one, at 11. Chris? Look forward to that. Thanks very much, Jordan. Now, a book that many British Columbians grew up with is getting a sequel. Don Leavers released Ogopogo, the Misunderstood Lake Monster, almost four decades ago, And now he's taking us on another adventure with the mythical lake creature. And Sydney Morton has more.
6: The legendary lake monster Ogopogo, also known by its indigenous name, Nahahatik, is going on a new adventure in a soon-to-be-released children's book called Ogopogo and the Mysterious Stranger.
10: And it's how this mysterious stranger comes to Okanagan Lake, continuing to try and find him, and the children wanting to have a celebration to honor Ogopogo and in the end, saving him from the uh, the clutches of the, uh,
12: the stranger.
6: The book is a sequel to the one that Levers wrote 37 years ago, where Ogopogo saved busloads of children when the old floating bridge broke apart during a storm. Now, decades later, the children are throwing a party to thank the lake creature. The author drew inspiration for the story from his own encounter with Ogopogo.
10: On December the 18th, 1981, uh, we saw something strange in the water and uh, we pulled over to the far side of Okanagan Lake Bridge and another car got beside us, behind us and asked if we'd seen something and we did. We saw something that was unexplained. The lake was calm as anything and so there was no boats out, there was no waves.
6: Lake Country artist Angelina Danielle has taken over the role of illustrator and is putting her own spin on the
2: lake monster. Once I like started the process, I started noticing a lot of Ogopogo things throughout the city, and I was sort of taking inspiration from all those things, and I was like, yeah, I can definitely put something out there that's similar but also unique. The children's book
6: Ogopogo and the Mysterious Stranger will be released on July 22nd. Sydney Morton, Global News.
14: It's a friendly-looking monster. I was going to say, I mean, the word monster doesn't seem to apply to someone who looks that friendly. No,
0: I hope I run into that creature someday. (laughs) I hope he's as friendly as he's depicted. That's right. Uh, Okay, last word on weather before we go. Christy?
8: Sure. So we do have a nice stretch of uh, days on the way with sunshine, especially tomorrow. We will see some cloud cover in the coming days, Wednesday, Thursday in the morning. But overall, dry weather on the way for everyone.
0: Parents and kids enrolled in day camp will love you for it. Thanks very much, Christy. And Mm -hmm. thanks, everybody, for watching. Have a great night.